Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning back in. I'm so grateful to have that conversation with Natalie. She is so multifaceted and full of so much knowledge. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it and absorb just everything that she has to say. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. Yes. When I started this, I was like, just brainstorming, like, who do I want to talk to? Like, first off, bad, and I was like, definitely Natalie. <laughs> so thanks yeah. for being here. Something that I'm just kind of wanting to know from all of my um, guests is really just, how are you doing really? You know, you can get as vulnerable as you want if you're comfortable, but just kind of, you know, getting people to kind of relate to you more and see that you're really a human and not just like, you know, a subject. How doing really? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I love that you start with that. Um, I am doing pretty good. I stopped drinking like at the beginning of this year and it's really brought up a lot of my insecurities and like the inner child wounds that I had been tucking under the rug. Um, I've also been able to just look at my side of the coin and relationships you know my part um in the world and my shortcomings so there's been a lot of stillness during this pandemic that i've had to just sit with aspects of myself that i think i would uh normally just drink off or um distract myself with but it's been for the best, like no complaints. I I had this light bulb moment. I was like, oh, I used to go to psychics and healers for clarity. And now I realized all I had to do is like stop drinking. Like <laughs> I've gotten all the clarity I need from just like being able to sit with, with myself sober. That's awesome. I think something I did want to talk to you about that's like perfect transition was the thing that you just posted about where you were talking about having an intimate relationship with your pain and really mm-hmm. feeling all those feelings and actually dealing with it. So I think it's really powerful where, you know, you're being sober, not that you think you'll be sober forever, but just noticing that you kind of needed that for yourself when a lot of people right now are, you know, over drinking and they're really suppressing their emotions because they've never really done that inner work and, you know, they're drinking a lot. So I think that's really powerful and big of you to do that. And it's hard to do. (laughs) I'm I'm struggling with it, honestly, a little bit and just, I don't know, kind of numbing out those feelings at times. And it's kind of hard to find that balance. So I'm proud of you for doing that for yourself. Yeah, there's definitely a balance. Like, I I know like in order to be a human on this planet you do have to numb out but it's it's finding that balance of like okay where does it become bypassing and like not going deeper into my inner work and like where is it where's the healthy amount of like um like tuning it out or you know, um, numbing out because, you know, it, everything serves its purpose, but whenever it becomes like, you're just really not taking responsibility for things or you're, you're refusing to look at some aspect of yourself. That's, that's when it becomes an issue. So, yeah, yeah. totally agree with that. 
Do you think that at the beginning of this, you know, when you left New York and everything that you were handling it not the best and then you kind of moved in this more positive direction or do you think because of the work you do and because you were sober you kind of found more you know positivity in the experience and the transition um yeah i think that sobriety really honestly led me to where i'm at now um i think there was so so much of myself good and bad i didn't want to look at because um in the past really like tuning into my my spiritual side and tuning into like how much of an empath I am has you know has made me feel more and I think I was numbing out because I didn't want to feel so much you know and then it was also scary to to make a change because I've been modeling for so long and so yeah, I think there was, you know, I was afraid to look at, you know, my blockages and my inner child wounds and, and my light as well. So the sobriety definitely helped me just face it. Yeah, I love that. For people that don't really know what this is, can you just kind of explain what an empath is? Yeah, so an empath is somebody that, it's actually a form of intelligence. So just like how people can learn languages really, really fast or play a bunch of instruments. Um, empathy is a form of intelligence and um, not to toot my own horn, but I think empaths get a, a bad rep of being like these weak people that are like softies and can't manage their emotions. But really it means that they are so in tune with themselves and the world around them that they can pick up on the emotions and energy of other people and sometimes even of the room mm -hmm. and especially during a time like this where i know for myself i'm a huge empath in the beginning of all of this i was like feeling all of the weight of everybody's fear and their emotions about it and i was just a mess like the first week and a half i was a mess because i was like holding on all this emotion. And then I finally realized that this isn't even my emotion. I was like, why am I feeling this? Why am I letting like all of this weigh on me when this is not even my emotion? So I'd love to hear kind of what you've done besides the sobriety, like actual work that you've done to help kind of cut those cords with being an empath and other people's emotions and kind of deflecting the things that you realize are not your own emotions yeah so I the way I pray now is so different um I kind of pray like sometimes I pray like traditionally like help me surrender this or whatever but now another form of prayer for me is simply just saying like what's mine is mine what's theirs is theirs so if I you know when people begin to like purge their problems onto you like a friend just calls you and just like emotionally vomits vomits on you and you can feel everything um I usually just say like like I said what's mine is mine what's theirs is theirs and like whatever energy I'm holding on to that's not of Natalie Torres like send it back to and you can say their name so a lot of like this work is I've really simplified it um, and you, you'll probably hear a lot of people say that a lot of all a lot of this work is so simple and you can come up with something that works for you like 
this energy is not mine, this emotion is not mine, or you can just say, um, whatever energy is not of me, please leave. Another thing I do is I go and I put my feet in the earth and I just like sigh it out. Like after a session, I just like literally, like my, my mom's, I'm quarantined with my parents and my parents' neighbors are probably like, what the hell is going on? Here? <laughs> Cause I'll just like put my feet in the earth and be like, <sighs> after a session. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things you can do. Breath work is amazing. Yeah. Salt baths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And something, I mean, you don't have to have the answer for this. I'm just curious is, you know, I know a lot of people that do take on a lot of other people's shit. Like they're the friend that people go to, to just dump and they kind of take it and they're not great at kind of separating that. How would you recommend or what would you recommend to people in terms of verbally saying like you're kind of overstepping a boundary for me or, you know, you're really loading on me and it's not helping my mental health or something like that? Because like, how do you be nice, but also, you know, have those boundaries? I think that's hard for some people. Yeah. So, I mean, just to be clear, so you're, you're asking like, if you, how do you like kindly have boundaries with yeah. people? to empath they're just dumping their problems on you looking for advice all the time yeah I mean I, I think like you can just say like just very honestly especially if you're close to that person just be like you know I I feel intensely everything you're saying and you know I even get visuals or whatever your empathic abilities are or I feel it in my body so much do you mind just um you know being mindful when you vent to me mm -hmm. you know you can say that yeah I think is the best thing and honestly if your friends take it personally I think they're maybe not the best friends to be having if I'm loading their problems on you all the time yeah and that that's another thing i've accumulated over the years is just like most of my friends are i can have those conversations with them and then also they're very um they're also mindful so they know when they're they're kind of pushing it you know what i mean yeah well you must be good at setting those boundaries then <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh i i feel like i can be a little bit uh you, I mean, you have to be when you're so sensitive. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of get into your story with modeling. I know that you're kind of shifting away from it, but it's obviously a part of your story. So I think from my understanding, you've been modeling for about nine years, right? Yeah. yeah so a long time. So I just wanted to hear your experience with it and your journey in terms self-acceptance body image and kind of how you use your spiritual practice throughout your journey to kind of guide you through that yeah so I um I tr started to try to model when I was 13 and I've always been about a size 8 or 10 um and like on a on a good day or whatever like a skinny day whatever um I would be an eight but even then it's like that's as small as my body can get and so I was always told I was too big and um I would try to lose the weight and 
you know, I would have adults tell me at like age 14, like, you're really pretty in the face, but you need to lose a lot of weight. Um, and that made me really, really insecure and have a lot of doubt. And um, I think I began to base my worth off of the way I looked. And I just, it was kind of like a domino effect. I just started thinking very badly of myself and it showed throughout high school and in my relationships and everything. And um, eventually I got signed to an agency in New York by the time I was 19. And um, I had no spiritual practice in my teens. So it wasn't until I turned like, or maybe I was like 19 and a half in New York. And I felt like my guides tell me you need to meditate. So I, I taught myself to meditate. Uh, and I like it was like an awakening for me I started like giving readings because <laughs> it just felt like so right um, and yeah it's been like what I've relied on for the last like seven years honestly but it I would say it was like my own anxiety my own trauma and like self-doubt that led me to begin to meditate because before that I my my background was like being Christian I had no idea of like anything in the spiritual world mm, that's so interesting I love to hear that I hear that a lot actually and so being grown like brought up in that type of environment did you looking back do you feel as though you had these gifts and you just kind of didn't know what they were or was it you know totally turned off and then when you were 19 and a half you like figured that out Okay, yeah. Um, I was definitely born with the gifts, and um, they were a little bit creepy. Like, I just could feel I wasn't always alone, even if I was the only person in the room, I would see stuff. Um, but then when I was about 15, this is really dark, I played with a Ouija board, and it was so bad me and my friend like we didn't talk for like years after that and then we connected when we we're like 22 and we ended up having the same experiences like you need to see instance energy but after the ouija board it was like it was total like darkness that i would see me and my friends were just messing around and i was already um like see like very connected to the spiritual world but I had no education on it um I thought I was crazy and then after the Ouija board I was like oh yeah I'm definitely crazy because now I can see spirits and hear stuff I don't know exactly like what happened if that was like another awakening but it felt very 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 dark and invasive so it wasn't until I moved to New York that I was able to see a healer who did clearings um, and she cleared me. She had to do it three times because <laughs> it was so like present in my life. And eventually I got to where like all I see for the most part is light. Wow. But a part of that is like raising your vibration and, you know, doing a lot of inner work and like purging emotional blocks and stuff like that. Um, just really working on your own energy, you'll begin to attract more light. Mm -hmm. I had no idea about any of this. I, I mean, all I had was like religion. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
Wow, that is so interesting. I know, it's like pretty out there, but yeah. No, it's not. I'm curious, like, I know this is different for everyone, but I'm curious about you is, you know, when you say you see things and you hear things, what does that kind of look like for you? Yeah, so I see people's auras, I see um, spirits, and I have a lot of like third eye visions. Um, and it can just be like a very like quick, like, um, like clear knowing about somebody else and I always ask for, for permission I can turn it on and off so I really do my best to not invade people's privacy um, but it's like clear knowing um, third eye vision sometimes like with my eyes open I get visions and then every once in a while I will hear um, you know my guides talking to me and it's very direct. It's never like a conversation. It's usually like one word or if somebody's loved one who has passed, um, they'll give me like some type of sign that it's them. So one time, um, like a couple of weeks ago, I kept hearing like jewelry, like clanking together out of my right side of my ear. And, um, and if, and then I got a third eye vision and then I, I said what I saw and heard to my client and she was like, oh, my, that's my grandpa. He wore a lot of jewelry. So, um, but it's never like full on conversations to where, you know, we're just sitting there chatting. It's, it's usually pretty quick. Wow. And is that in your voice or is that in someone else's voice or is it kind of unclear? Um, it, it feels like somebody else's. It's definitely obvious it's not mine mm. yeah and then I and then I get dreams as well like my grandpa visited me and he was like my friend bought me a pendulum and I've never used that before I just had it by my crystals and he like showed me in my dream my pendulum and then to write out the alphabet because he had a me message for my mom and he was like your mom isn't awake enough to hear me so I ended up like waking up and doing the pendulum with the alphabet and like totally delivered my mom a message. Whoa. <laughs> insane. Yeah, just like crazy stuff like that. I started using it for my own advantage and then it like, he like stopped showing up. So he was like, I'm, this was just for your mom. Like, stop. <laughs> this is not entertainment hour. Um, but yeah. That is so powerful. That's so cool to hear. A lot of times with this stuff, with intuition and psychic gifts, it's like you, you have to really do your best not to try to make anything happen, like an outcome, and to have a lot of respect for it. Because, um, like, you know, like not going around trying to read people, um, like with my grandpa, not like using it for like dumb things like am I gonna book this job papa like <laughs> like you know just really being very mindful and and respectful of the work and um allowing it to guide you versus trying to control it is is really key so important yeah so kind of going back in the direction of the modeling moving into the spiritual because I'm just curious mm -hmm. how did you kind of get that key moment or whatever it was that kind of led you to deciding okay I'm not gonna be living in New York anymore I'm gonna move back home and I'm doing this full time and really honing in on your skills and offering these offerings 
Um, yeah, I would say I just got home to Texas and I felt so much better. Um, like if I don't leave New York like twice a month, once or twice a month, I, my body, like I feel it in my body, like I'm just more stressed out. And even if I go to yoga or meditate, like do like breath work, I might feel good for a few hours, but then it's like, I always go back and um, to feeling like anxious, you know? And once I got here, I realized how much more relaxed I feel. And even though there's a pandemic going on and, you know, I have bills in New York and, um, you know, jobless, like all the things that would cause somebody to be on edge. I was very much like, yeah, that's, that's very real, but I'm at home at least. And it feels good in my body. And so, um, then I began to just put stuff out there like meditation classes and readings and Reiki sessions. And it, it just really took off for me. And I just reflected on the fact that like modeling felt like it needed to be really forced and I needed to project out this image of myself that wasn't really me, like caring about like, like I, I love fashion, but I'm not like, it's not like I'm very like obsessed with it. Um, so I just really got clear on like what I really like to do. And I, I realized on set, my favorite moments was in hair and makeup when I was talking to the makeup artists, like really connecting and sharing like where you're from and like what they're into. It was never like the, the glamor of modeling. It was the connection. So it was like, okay, well, I'm having success making connections with other people and sharing my spiritual practice with other people. And that's obviously what I like to do. So I might as well try it. And it's nice to have more control over my destiny um, instead of like just waiting by the phone, hoping I get this booking. And um, yeah, I, I don't feel like I was using all of myself when I was modeling. And I don't think I had the, the nervous system capacity to be able to model and have the traveling life. I, I don't think my my mind body system can do both because I'm so all or nothing in black or white. So I, I had to really sit with that and make sure it was what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've invested so much money into the traveling light that if I was to back out now, I'd be like, oh my god. So I, I think I'm all in. Too late. Well, it's good because you know the universe works in crazy ways where, you know, of course you can't take away that this is a devastating time for so many people, but you know, you're having a good experience with it and it's pushing you to make these hard decisions and catapult you into the next part of your journey. So, I mean, I'm so glad that this has happened for you because I know you've been talking about it for so long and it's just, it's so cool to see what you've been up to. And I think it's really important to get silent with yourself and realize, you know, what parts of my life was I loving and what parts was I not loving? And that kind of goes to something I wanted to talk about. And I loved that you shared this was saying that you kind of like did this or saying kind of all the time and not being really firm in your voice and what you were passionate about. And I just kind of want you to elaborate a little bit on that for people. who Yeah. So I, 
what I don't know, sometimes I get a little bit hard on myself and it makes me like unsure in my conversations. And I just began to look at the way I would show up in, in conversations and when I'm talking about things I love or that I'm passionate about. And I would always use like, kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of creative or I'm kind of psychic. Um, and it was like a way of downplaying myself, you know what I mean? And, um, and needing that validation from other people and, and not really, I wasn't fully expressing the, especially the spiritual stuff, um, because I was so afraid of what other people would think when they found out, you know, all of my gifts and what I believe in. So I would always downplay it. Like, yeah, it's kind of like woo woo or like, it's kind of this. And it's like, no, just like say it like it is. And when you begin to say it like it is other people receive it a lot better, so much better. It doesn't mean like to be annoying about your stuff and what you do. It's just like eliminate the kind of eliminate those words that, uh, that like leave a little bit of uncertainty in your message or in what you're trying to say. It makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. For sure. And it's almost like when you're saying it like that, you're just pleasing the people that you're with to maybe not make them feel uncomfortable in any way and you're downplaying yourself, which in turn just doesn't help anybody because you're not being true to yourself. And then you're not, you know, offering them the ability to maybe learn about something new that they actually could really benefit from, but you're just downplaying your gifts and, you know, what you believe in. And also once you start talking, in my experience, once you start talking about what you actually are passionate about and what you love to do and what you can do, those people will start coming into your lives. And once you start talking about that with people and like, Maybe it'll be like that makeup artist where you're like, oh, I'm a Reiki practitioner. And they're like, oh my God, me too. And it's like, you could have just not had that experience at all if you were just like in your fear of being judged or whatever, and you wouldn't have had that great connection. So, yeah, it is important. And even, you know, like I, when I, I've gone on dates, it's like, I used to always just downplay and then I would hide parts of myself because I was just so afraid of like what they would think um yeah just eliminating that and just allowing yourself to be yourself and the right people will will either come around or stay around and you'd be surprised I think a lot of this is just uh a lot of things are just in our head a lot of times mm -hmm. definitely yeah. What is next for you in terms of modeling in this? Like, are you saying full goodbye to modeling or are you just kind of going to take it day by day? <laughs> um, I am going all out with the traveling light. And if I end up booking a job, then that's great. And if it, you know, makes sense as far as like logistics, then I'll, I'll definitely do it. But um yeah, I, I'm just going all out with the spiritual stuff and um, just working hard on my podcast, really putting my energy into um, the mentorship, the 12-week mentorship, and then um, 
Second will come like the new moon or the, the moon circles I'll have twice a month. And then that, that will be it. No more solo sessions mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, people were having like breakthroughs and then they would only see me once. And then they would see me maybe like two weeks later. And it wasn't really, wasn't really making sense because it was very scattered when I would see them. And, you know, people need to really stick with it to get unblocked. So that's why I'm doing the 12 week mentorship. Yeah, I just saw that. I love that. And I think that's important with this inner work is whether it's, you know, by yourself or with someone that's helping you is, you know, you're not just going to get like a one fix all the one time, like you have to work that muscle time and time again, really daily, honestly, to like, especially if you're dealing with something really large. So I think that's going to be huge. And also as an empath, just like protecting your energy and, you know, yeah. all big things rather than constantly sucking in everyone's energy. And, you know, cause I, I would do that. That's why I don't do one-on-one things. Cause I know that I would just be completely exhausted if I did that. Yeah. It's definitely a lot. Um, um, sometimes, you know, you can feel it as if it's happening to you. And then if you don't do, you know, cleanse yourself, you can basically, it can throw off your day if you're working with people with, uh, that have a lot of trauma. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of just wanted to talk about your certifications and like what you are doing and kind of what you're bringing into this mentorship. So full free space to just mind dump what it is and what you're offering. Well, um, yeah, so I did my Reiki one, two times, and then, yeah, two times, and then I did my Reiki two, and I did that at Maha Rose, and then um, way back in the day, like in 2015, um, then I did a one-on-one mentorship for uh, my mediumship, because I had no idea what I was doing, I just knew I had this gift but if you're not if you don't do do some type of training it can get really out of whack you know as far as like taking on other people's stuff and not knowing when to turn it on and off um and then in 2018 I did my Reiki master my three and four in Costa Rica and I spent a lot of time there and I learned how to do soul retrieval work which is um for trauma and like inner child work um I did that like within the same program for the Reiki master on my somatic trauma therapy training from embodied philosophy and that's basically breaking it down um that and and like old school psychology there wasn't a lot of room for seeing the body as a whole the mind and body and um in this embodied class, it's seeing the system and the effects on the trauma um, as one. So when you've had trauma, it affects your sense of time because your hippocampus goes offline during the trauma and your amygdala takes over. So a lot of times like memory is very faulty in people that have had a lot of trauma and especially if they were physically it was physically felt um you know 
having a traumatic breakup is a little bit different than somebody who's had sexual trauma or was in a war. Um, so depending on the type of the trauma, it can affect you differently. Um, it obviously affects relationships, um, your ability to express yourself. A lot of people get frozen in their behaviors. Like they, they can start something, but like continuing and finishing a project um, is really hard or they just straight up can't move. So it's, it's a lot different than having regular depression. Um, and I think like traditional therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy only really addresses the depression aspect of trauma. So um, with the, when you start hitting the trauma with somatic therapy, uh, you begin to see the effects that it's had on the system. It also affects your thoughts. So sometimes just like something random can make you think of the trauma and um, maybe you get images and it can just really throw off your day. And then obviously it affects your emotions, emotions and um, your ability to take action. So just learning to apply the Reiki with this, this um, with, with people with trauma has been really beneficial and um, walking them through a session and having them just like be held like a lot of people with trauma just need to be held and they need like to be pushed and encouraged not like pushed like a like a life coach but really like I like they need to be seen you know so I I check in with my clients like every day and um, make them send like proof that they're doing like their homework and stuff because a lot of times these people they get so stuck and frozen in their trauma that it keeps them from um, taking action. So they need somebody to see them and be like, hey, like, how's your day? Like, what are you doing? Like, let's check in, let's see what, you know, are you doing your homework? Um, are you eating? Like, that's another thing. Like people with trauma get so out of body that they forget to eat. And like, even like some people like hold their bladder like excessively long. So, um, just really bringing back the sensations and um, using imagery in the sessions and um, like it's almost like putting them in a theta state has been really beneficial and um, and I'm sure I'll learn more in that that course but it's been really helpful when because um, I for some reason attract a lot of people with trauma so <laughs> might as well educate myself on it. Um, but I also do Akashic Record readings, and I, I use it in a very creative way, not, um, not like textbook. I use it in a, like when I go to write an email or like if I'm about to do a podcast. Um, and then, of course, I use it with clients as well. Yeah, I try to be dynamic because I feel like uh, I don't... I see like the benefits of um, of like traditional like Western thought, and, and then I also see the spiritual stuff too. And I think that's what makes you so unique, though, and be able to connect with a lot of people because you know we live in a world of both. So you know to work with it on two ends and accept that both of those can be beneficial is huge. I think. <laughs> I I really want to bring people into um the healing community that aren't 
aren't open-minded or that are not spiritual and show them that it's not this um, out there thing that there are a lot of benefits to it because I, I mean, I love, I love like talking about astrology and the moon and everything, but it, it's like, how do you break that down for, for the everyday person that really could benefit from setting intentions? Yeah. I've also done my personal training certification, which is, which is how I got very intrigued by the nervous system. That was like my, my favorite part of that training course. And um, it led me to learning like the somatic trauma therapy. You're just kind of putting all of that into your 12 week course. Yeah. So I, I have recipes in the course um, to detox and support the body. Um, I do Reiki on my clients once a week. I give them readings once a week. I check in with them daily to make sure that they're doing what they need to do. They have the choice. I don't, if they don't need to be micromanaged and they, they feel like they got it, I will obviously not do that. But some people really like that and need that support. Um, and yeah, I, I just throw in my mediumship in the sessions and then some, some coaching. Um, my best friend is a psychologist, so she's making me read a book on um, a form of therapy called humanistic approach. And it's, it's like helping your clients embody their, their fullest potential. So it's, it's seeing them as their higher self and just helping them get there. So it's not the type of coaching where I'm like, like putting my two cents in. It's, it's asking the right questions so that they form their own opinions about their own life. And it, it, it's not really manipulating, but it could be because like you, you want them to see their blocks, but you don't want to call them out on the blocks because then that can cause them to spiral. I don't know if you've ever seen like a healer that calls you out and you're just like not ready to receive that. So it's more effective like with this backdoor approach and having them have their own light bulb moment. But um, I do see myself getting certified in Kundalini one of the, these days. It's like a nine month course though. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want so bad too, but I'm just like, oh, I have so much going on. And I, I mean, you already have, so many certifications and like you do practice kundalini so you know a lot of the postures and a lot of the kriyas and all that stuff is like people are already gonna look to you that you're credible so it's kind of like if it's something you really feel called to do I would do it but also something that I heard from a master class with Shaman Dirk and Sahara Rose was that I love them having like every certification possible but sometimes that doesn't actually really make you the best and you're just kind of wasting your time and money do you know what I mean so that's something to just think about I don't know and as a client it's like okay wait what like looking at my qualifications I'm like okay it's it's almost distracting you know right I agree I agree so I think I mean after taking your one on or like your group course that you're offering, 
you already know what you're talking about. Like literally there's no need for you to spend that money, spend that time doing that when you're already implementing those skills. True. And I, the yoga teacher training I'm doing online, um, there's a section on pranayama. So I, I'll already be able to offer that like officially. Doing all the things. I know it's, it's a little overwhelming. I just want, I just want to be very legit and, and well read, well spoken. No, definitely. I mean, take that away from yourself. It's, it's good to be firm in what you're talking about, of course, and educated, but just know that sometimes, you know, you don't need to go that extra step. I love that. Yeah. I'll be, you know, teaching Kundalini in a, you know, space or whatever, but honestly, everything's going to pretty much move online anyways. And it's crazy. Yeah. Everything's going to be online. Yeah, dude. I mean, everything you're doing is great and I'm excited. And I just, moving backwards, I did have some questions about what you were saying because, I mean, I know about this kind of, but I don't think a lot of people know exactly what these things mean. So I just wanted to ask if you could just explain kind of what Reiki is. Yeah, so Reiki is um, universal life force energy and it's the same, it's like chi energy and acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And it's the same energy that's in nature. So that obviously there's like chemical reactions that happen when, when you're in a forest, but like energetically, the energy that nature emits is reiki it's it's our purest energy and a lot of times that gets fragmented because of stress and poor emotional management and say like you just went through a breakup or you have a chronic illness or um just imbalances like physical emotional energetic imbalances can lower your life force energy and um getting a Reiki session just helps balance your chi, your life force energy and getting you, getting you back to that natural state of, of living. So you're not, you're, your unique, like purest form. Um, and a lot of times it, it is physically felt. I have worked with a cancer patient over quarantine and, um, her symptoms from chemo, she's having my, a migraine and nausea and feeling very dizzy. So I gave her Reiki and um, it, it went away. So it can be physically felt that some people have like spiritual disturbances. Reiki can help balance that. That's a high, that's a uh, seven or eighth chakra imbalance. And then, um, it can also be emotional. So if you're going through a breakup, just helping you process that grief. Um, and it can be done at a distance. It can be done in person. I prefer at a distance just because um, it's it's easier to get it done. You, I don't have to be there with you. I can treat people in Washington and Florida all on the same day. But it's, it doesn't mean it's less powerful. But sometimes people like just being held and being like having kind of like getting a massage, you know, some people just really like that one on one contact, but it can also be 
done over the phone or Zoom. I love that. You said that so perfectly. Yeah. That information. I, I, I know most of it, but it's, you know, I'm constantly learning stuff from you. So thank you. And my next question about what you were saying, because I am not entirely sure, is what is the theta state? Yeah, so your brain has the beta state, which is like your everyday brain. Um, then it has alpha, which is kind of like daydreamy, um, creative, um, like flowing, and like I just think of like the artist mind. And then you have the theta state, which is when you go into a deep meditation and you start getting visuals and you start just really feeling the energy and it's a little bit dreamy. Um, and then you have the delta, which I don't know a lot about that, enough to speak on it. And then there's gamma. And I might be missing another one, but gamma is like the state of mind that monks have and there it's just like ecstasy so a lot of times when you're you're meditating or doing yoga you might have like a little split second of gamma and you're like oh that was so amazing I want to go back there and that's gamma and then when you get like you're just kind of like in the zone that's more theta and alpha I'm not sure. It's a little bit more like like day to day. I I operate more in theta, and it's been it's been very interesting. Like this starting the traveling light has been very grounding for me, and putting me back like in my body and being very present and getting me into that beta state. It's been very painful because <laughs> I'm very much head in the clouds. So. Um, yeah, so when you do this kind of work, a lot of my work is theta. And so you can really get into the subconscious mind with theta. And um, it's very effective for like trauma. So it's important to know these things. So when you see a healer, knowing what where you need work and what you're working through, you can see what they're qualified in. And if they have some kind of idea on what their work offers, like as far as like brainwaves, that's been really helpful. So I think that might be another reason why I, I attract people with trauma is because my work, my work does really, really work on the theta state. So interesting. Thank you. I had no idea about so much. Like you hear those words, I feel like growing up in school and stuff like that, but you don't really know until you hear from someone that uses them. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only really speak to them like from a spiritual lens, but I'm sure there's so much like literature on like the science behind that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's cool that, you know, in a time that we have now is a lot of things are backed by science that are technically spiritual. And yeah. like you were saying, kind of having that balance of that like, modern medicine and then like spirituality is you know these things are lining up now where you can't track those two type of people yeah and you can see um you can see it in some people like people that are very beta they're very like masculine energy they're operating in their masculine and then um you know alpha is a little bit more feminine and then theta is very very feminine to where they need structure they need you know a modern psychiatrist would probably put somebody 
that's operating in the theta state on Adderall. So um, you can kind of tell people which part of the brain is working more. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And then my last question about what you were talking about was Akashic Records and what exactly that is. Yeah, so the, the Akashic Records, had it's been a trip. Oh my God. So it's probably like the highest vibration of a form of reading or like like psychic reading you can get so I could not even like handle the vibration of the Akashic Records uh, for longer than like five minutes if that maybe it was less more or less because it's such a high vibration so it's like the Google search for your soul and there's there's very strict rules about Akashic Records. So you can't read other people unless you have permission. Whereas my other psychic gifts, if I really wanted to, I, I could read read them. But with this, it's like you you really cannot. Like there's karmic like repercussions if you do. Um, <laughs> so I mean I I obey all the rules, but there's that and it's how do I break it down? You can go past lives, you can go present, and you can go back into your past and get information, like your the past of this current lifetime. And then you can go into your future as well. And um, the messages come in very, very fast. There are a lot of times visual, sometimes auditory. And um, it can be a lot because it can feel very psychedelic and yeah so as far as like what they are they are a spiritual and energetic database for every experience that your soul has had in the past has had in the present and is happening in the future so you go into your records you ask a question a lot of times you get the answer in the form of a visual and then it takes a while for you to get clarity around that and then sometimes it's very obvious what the answer is but it helped me make my decision on uh moving back to new york because i would go into my records and ask and they were like no my guides were like no you need to get out um this is not sustainable for you and they gave me like a time like if, if i was to go back and try to make new york work they were like you would you would literally only be able to handle it until November and you would just have like a meltdown. So um, it's, it's very, very cool to just be able to go in, get answers and come back out. It feels very like describing it is very vague, but um, it's one of those things like it has to be experienced. Do you have any like books or resources for someone to kind of learn a little bit more about it themselves? Um, I, there's this podcast called Align Within, and it's by Ashley Woods, and she does a really good job at breaking down the records and in a way that anybody can understand, and she's probably my go-to. Um, I took her classes, and I feel like that's just a really easy way to understand, like, what they are she she breaks down the do's and don'ts i have i'm not the best reader so i i like ashley's work because i can just press play 
glad you gave both because a lot of people feel the same way where they just like to listen. It's quick and so interesting and just like past lives and all of that is so interesting to me. And I just, I really wanted you to talk about that because I think a lot of people don't believe in those types of things and just kind of planting those little seeds of that. That is a thing that's out there. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there's a reason why we are attracted to the things we're attracted to. Um, maybe our relationship patterns, um, the trauma we've inherited in this lifetime. Um, it, it all can be past lives, you know? And they've been able to prove like in epigenetics, like our DNA, um, even if it's just ancestral trauma, our DNA the, um, is only equates to like, I think like 3% is our hair color, our skin color, and like our, our eye color. There's so much that they're just now discovering in ourselves that there, there are things from our ancestors that we've inherited. So some people have like phobias and they don't know why, but it could just be like their grandma, like say it's a snake and the grandma like lost a finger because <laughs> because she got bit by a snake. So um, yeah, if you, you're interested, there's a book uh, called It Doesn't Start With You and it's about epigenetics and trauma and um, inherited illnesses and um, like freak illnesses and trauma. And yeah, we inherit, our cells have more information in them than just like the color of our skin and hair. So interesting and perfect segue into my next question is about your Lyme's disease and how you pretty much healed it completely with medicine, like herbal medicine and holistic. Yeah. I'd love to just geek out on it. Tell me all the books, you read, what you did and just go for it. I'm super interested. Yeah. So Lyme was like, okay, so I'll just backtrack. So I did a Reiki training and I was like I just want to get rid of my anxiety and I had no idea it was PTSD I had no education on anything like PTSD and trauma and um like a month after ooh, my ear just started ringing ringing <laughs> a month after I uh I got this dream and somebody handed me a card and it was felt very angelic and on the back of the card it said enlightenment and um I, at that time, I thought enlightenment was only for like, like monks and like Mother Teresa. <laughs> and so um, I just went about my business. And then a month later, I started getting aggressively sick, to the point I couldn't get out of bed. Um, forming sentences was so hard. And I was just like, a literally like a potato with hardly any thoughts and nothing to say or contribute to a conversation and I just remember like sitting there and like telling my mom like I feel like I'm a spirit like I'm not a human and not you know not in an enlightened way I just felt very like out of this world and um I stopped eating meat naturally I mean I've ebbed and flowed between veganism and eating meat but I just became like very, like I started getting these downloads, like like becoming the observer of your your 
your physical body, your emotional body, and um, just witnessing your, your life instead of being attached to it. And I know that's easier said than done, but um, there was just a lot of lessons that came from being so sick. But my doctors were putting me on crazy medicine and I just felt, it made me feel worse. My symptoms didn't get better. My skin got really aggravated. And um, I just did my own research. And then finally I got, I was, I found a doctor that prescribed herbs and I noticed like a huge shift in that. And it was like, I, I never thought herbs worked. Like I had taken supplements before, but herbs, I know I didn't know much about them. And then I had this experience where I kept seeing like sacred geometry with my naked eye. So I don't know what was, ha I, I don't know, like I still see it to this day, but it was just like this very like third eye experience for me. Um, like, and now I know more about sacred geometry and its meanings and maybe a little bit why it was there and why it showed up whenever I was so sick. But it, I feel like I was being led because when I would go to sleep with Lyme, I would feel like somebody was above my head giving me Reiki. And um, anyways, like a year and a half go by and I'm continuing taking herbs and detoxing and doing hot yoga whenever I could, whenever I did have the energy. And I kid you not, like I, my eating disorder just like vanished. I think maybe I was so focused on um, healing the Lyme that I just forgot <laughs> about it. Um, and my Lyme levels went down, but I, I aggressively took herbs like cat's claw, like antivirals. Um, and I never skipped, like if I went to my boyfriend's, I would pack it. If I went anywhere, like I had herbs on me at all times. And I also took like uh, herbal mushrooms, the chaga, reishi, lion's mane. And really I did everything I could naturally to reverse the Lyme and I, I did it. So, but it was aggressive. I, I stuck with it because <laughs> I just, I don't like Western medicine. It always has an effect on me. I'm one of those people, I'm not 1%, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely, and I think it's important with Western medicine um, and the fact that, you know, some things, we need it, you know, it's important, but I think so if once you get in tune with your body and, like, listen to what it's trying to tell you, you can be the biggest healer, and the doctors can't always tell you what's wrong, and there's not a one-fix-all for everything with our current you know um pharmacy pharmaceutical industry yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think it's just they see you have lyme disease so they they give you antibiotics and pain meds and, and whatever else and so it's the same thing for every lyme patient with them whereas you never know like maybe they their bodies were at in that state to you know contract the line because they needed an awakening or they needed to awaken 
to the fact that they had trauma. And there's a lot of things that doctors overlook, you know. Um, I know Lyme disease for me was the awakening I needed to face my trauma and sit with it and, and really nurture that part of myself because had I not had Lyme, I, I would just be walking around oblivious to the world that I had trauma. So, and then, you know, projecting that on the people in my life. <laughs> it's such a beautiful outlook because, I mean, you could just have so much negative energy build up inside of you of like, why did this happen to me? But you're taking it in like a totally different positive direction of like, thank you for this experience or I wouldn't have been like who I am today. So I think that's important. And for anyone listening, you know, if you can kind of take the silver lining in anything that happens, I mean, the universe works in crazy ways where it, she or he or they, whatever you want to call it, they have something in store for you for whatever happens to you. Totally. You you can't let these things define you, your trauma, your past. Once you be, begin to look at yourself as a soul having a human experience, you have to, unfortunately, you know, you can't just, if you're going to be spiritual, you have to look at the hard stuff too. Part of that is like your soul did come here to have certain experiences, you know, and um, that was really hard for me to sit with. I had to like sit with that for like a year and a half, and, like, whoa, because I had the spiritual knowledge and like, you know, the energetics and um, why maybe I had Lyme disease. I knew it was an energy thing too. And that was hard to sit with that, like my soul came here to experience the trauma, but I got the message that it's like I was breaking the cycle so that my nieces will never experience the darkness that I have. So it's like I, I on a soul level, I was, I was strong enough to handle the trauma and transmute it so that my nieces can be trauma free, at least in, in this area. So um, that was just a moment of peace for me. And on my hard days, I do remember that, you know, I'm, I'm breaking that cycle and I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to break it well. <laughs> so you, you feel like you still do have some symptoms sometimes and you're still. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I try like, like, I mean, just to be transparent, sexual trauma doesn't really go away. You know what I mean? Um, and it can, you know, I have the tools to work with days where I feel very awful. And a lot of it is inner child work. Um, so it's like knowing what to do when these symptoms arise. Because when you've had trauma, your window of tolerance for stress is lowered. So somebody might have like a stressful day. They might have an argument at work, but their stress levels like taper off at the end of the day depending on what kind of trauma and how bad it was, if you have a stressful day, you never really come back down. Your system can get activated, your, uh, your nervous system. And then it can begin to fragment and then you have disassociation or you, you get stuck. Um, and then you can't really come down off of that stressful work event or uh, argument. So um, it's, it's really important to educate yourself on trauma so that when you see yourself getting 
fragmented off, you can catch yourself and, uh, and apply the tools and then come back down of, off of that like stress wave. And just raising that window of tolerance, which is, you know, doing breath work and really strengthening the nervous system. Um, in terms of resources that you found, I know you said you did a lot of research um, for anyone that does have Lyme that's listening. What were the most beneficial uh, people you found? Where did you find those herbs? You know, who's trustworthy? Who's actually distributing these? Or did you kind of just buy them from anybody? Um, so I... I have herbs from Healing Vimergy from within, and it's a recommended brand by the medical medium. And his work has been like, honestly, the best and the most like obvious, um, like herbs and just like lifestyle that has worked for Lyme for me. So I would say doing the medical medium, um, celery juice, um, cat's claw. And also I would say, make sure your doctor tests you for Epstein-Barr, like non-negotiable and Lyme disease co-infections and just really getting clear on what you're dealing with. Cause a lot of times people with Lyme are dealing with more than just Lyme. Um, Jordan Younger from The Balanced Blonde she has an Amazon shopping list you can go through. She's really good at responding to people. Um, she's responded to me on just random line questions. Um, and other than that, like medical media and Jordan Younger and just knowing exactly what you're dealing with, I swear most people with Lyme have more than just Lyme. So you, you really need to know what you're dealing with. And then, um, and don't underestimate the power of antivirals. So yeah, just really getting clear on, on the kind of Lyme you're dealing with. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. That was so much great information because I know people that have Lyme and they still have not dealt with it. Um, so I know that you said you did a lot yourself, but were you able to find like a naturopath that someone kind of helped you along the way or did you really just do all of it yourself? Yeah, so I ended up finding a naturopath. Um, I actually was going to her previously and then she got Lyme and her practice kind of shifted because so many people were dealing with Lyme and since she was dealing with it personally, she started to develop more of like an aggressive treatment. So um, she's the one that got me on the antivirals and, um, and then I kind of plateaued with her work though. She was detoxing me a lot. So that's another thing, your body can adjust to the treatment kind of like you need to change your shampoo or face wash after a while because your skin and hair adjusts to what you do. Um, it's very similar. So I plateaued with her work and then I kept having like very synchronistic medical medium messages. Like I would go to work and the makeup artist would be like, you need to do medical medium. And then I would see it on my Instagram page and then I'd have somebody else telling me that. So finally I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll do it. So it's been amazing. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> I love synchronicities so much. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever they happen, I'm just like, wow, that's great. <laughs> so I just, besides Lyme, 
anything else that you would want to share in terms of resources that you love to use, books that you've read that really helped you, or podcasts you listen to that have been really transformative for you? I I would say like simplify simplify your spiritual practice and and know that you know a lot of times there's so much out there there's so many podcasts so many books but really find something and just you know it doesn't you don't need to listen to every podcast you don't need to follow every spiritual leader and and read every book just start small and realize that the most powerful um, healing modalities are the most simple ones you know um, and they're not always they don't always have the most fancy names or the the biggest names just really I, I just love simple so during our call I pulled a card for you from the yogic path deck which is the one that I'm using all the time now by Sahara Rose and the synchronicity of it is that it the number is seven seven, which is one of my favorite numbers. And saying that all day. No way. You're kidding. Yeah. Okay. So I pulled the samadhi in Sanskrit. This card. Oh, I love that. Upside down, but here's upright, so you can see it better. Wow, it's so pretty. And it's. As from what I'm seeing, it's definitely having to do with the heart chakra. See how it's like green. So it is the eight stages of yoga card, the advanced state of meditation and absorption in the self. That's already seems so accurate. It says, you are not your body. You are not your mind. You are the one who experiences each. You pulled this card to remind you of the cosmic universe that lives within you. Have you forgotten? You are a seed from the stars. The more you become in touch with the vastness within you, the less you worry about societal expectations. Connect to the infinite within you through a practice of stillness. It is there that you will realize you are the cosmos in human form. Oh my God. I love that. That's so funny. That's exactly what we were saying, like becoming the observer. I know, it's so great. Wow. And the heart chakra, open it up. Yeah, I need to. I love that so much. <laughs> I think it's important, especially in a time like this too, is just to like open up your heart and accepting. Oh my God, that's so accurate. <laughs> I just love that so much. So thank you for accepting that. And I hope that you take that with you. And on that note, I just want people to know where they can find you, when they can sign up for this 12-week program, and whatever you want to share. Yeah, you can find me on The Traveling Light on Instagram or thetravelinglight.com. Um, my website will be done in like 48 hours. <laughs> um, and the, the program's up and live. So if you're interested, just DM me. And um, I try to work with everybody in some way, shape, or form. So um, if you feel really drawn to this, we'll make it happen. And yeah. yeah that's awesome. And to end, I just want to do the longtime sun mantra with you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So may the longtime sun shine upon you. May all the love surround you and may the pure light within you guide your way on. Satnam. Satnam. Thank you so much, Natalie.
Good Thank time. you so much. Wow, how great was that conversation? I am so glad that you guys got to hear what she had to say. And if you would like to follow her, please look in the notes of this episode to learn more about what she is offering and how she can help you. If you guys feel called to and you love this episode, I would love if you left a review. Thanks so much, guys. Sending you all the love. Have a good one. Get up, get down. Get up, get down.